in this episode. Immediately after finishing my workout, I was beat and I knew I went too hard. Within two hours, my flu symptoms kicked in. Loss of appetite, nausea, body aches, chills, and a fever. So on Wednesday morning, March 18th, I got the little stick shoved up my nose and immediately went back home. Learn to perform. Practical lessons so that you can immediately learn to optimize your health, happiness, and performance. For this episode, I would like to express gratitude to my parents for their unconditional love and support throughout my life. After losing my hockey career, dream job, and being infected with COVID-19, and trying to figure out my next move with no money, no career, and a lot of debt and uncertainty, my parents provided all the support I needed. Months later, they are still the glue holding my life together. They have always sacrificed to ensure that myself, my brother, and my sister have always had every possible opportunity to pursue our dreams and succeed. I'm grateful every day for the life they have provided me. So thank you, Mom and Dad. Love you guys. Now, in this episode, I'm going to explore the literature and data available on COVID-19 to provide some context and clarity on the topic. Depending on which radio station or news channels you tune into, the information and conclusions may change drastically. Who is right? Is anyone right? This episode is intended to objectively review COVID-19 statistics and make some unbiased conclusions. All information has been researched and cited. It is not conjecture, but rather, it is an analysis of information presented by reputable sources. Complete citations are available with the show notes on the website. So what's the bottom line? The health of your immune system has direct implications on your ability to overcome a COVID-19 infection and stay healthy, evidenced by three key points. Number one, 94% of COVID-19-associated deaths had multiple comorbidities. Number two, coronaviruses and comorbidities strongly influence the immune system. And number three, Lifestyle factors strongly influence the immune system. Before we move on, I must disclaim that I am not an infectious disease expert, and therefore I strongly urge everyone to follow all protocols and recommendations by experts and governing bodies for your personal health and the best interest of our communities. Alright, let's get into it. Number 1. 94% of COVID-19-associated deaths had multiple comorbidities. As of November 4, 2020, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, has reported about 217,000 total COVID-19 deaths in the United States, which have been, quote, coded to ICD-10 code U07.1, end quote, which is the code designated to COVID-19 death. The explanation of this coding, as provided by the CDC, is follows, and I quote, When COVID-19 is reported as a cause of death, or when it is listed as a probable or presumed cause, the death is coded as U07.1. This can include cases with or without laboratory confirmation, end quote. Therefore, the 217,000 total COVID-19 deaths include probable and presumed cases that may not necessarily come with laboratory confirmation. To add to the uncertainty of reported data, death certificates have their own level of uncertainty due to challenges in reporting comprehensive information in highly stressful emergency situations. In fact, the CDC also reports that, quote, about 20 to 30% of death certificates have issues with completeness, end quote. With that clarified, let's really look into the numbers. Of the 217,000 COVID-19 deaths, the CDC reports that only 6% listed COVID-19 as the only cause. What this means is that there were about 13,000 deaths solely attributed to COVID-19. For reference, the CDC also reports that since 2010, Influenza has contributed to, quote, between 12,000 and 61,000 deaths annually, end quote. Now, 
going back to COVID-19, of the other 94% of deaths that weren't solely attributed to COVID-19, the CDC reported a staggering average of 2.6 comorbidities associated. This means that an overwhelming majority of COVID-19 deaths featured individuals with between two and three other high-risk factors for mortality. In other words, people with severely compromised health. Examples of comorbidities include respiratory diseases such as influenza and pneumonia, circulatory diseases including hypertension, heart disease, and cardiac arrest, neurodegenerative brain diseases such as Alzheimer's and dementia, and other conditions such as diabetes and obesity. Obviously, understanding the mechanisms of disease and trying to accurately quantify the actual impact of COVID-19 alone is very difficult to do, and again, I am not an expert. Further, it is probably expected that the 12 to 61,000 influenza deaths each year also come with their own comorbidities, further complicating and clouding the numbers. However, I think it is very important to be aware of this information and view the pandemic from a wide lens. My takeaway from these numbers is that COVID-19 isn't the sole enemy, but rather, it is just one of the many players in the game. So now, let's try to better understand the relationship between coronaviruses and comorbidities. Number 2. Coronaviruses and comorbidities strongly influence the immune system. One 2015 paper on the pathogenesis of coronaviruses reviewed studies that suggest that coronaviruses feature, quote, a possible immunopathological mechanism of disease, end quote. Meanwhile, a more recent paper published in August of 2020 repeatedly emphasizes that individuals, quote, that are immunocompromised are at the most significant risk, end quote. In addition, by reviewing the mechanism of SARS, the viral coronavirus from 2002 to 2003, they found that the viral infection can create an excessive immune reaction, triggering a cytokine storm identified by the presence of interleukin-6, otherwise referred to as IL-6, an inflammatory molecule. Their research shows that IL-6 also increases in the presence of other comorbidities, including inflammatory diseases, cardiovascular diseases, and some cancers. A separate study in 2014 concluded that, quote, Dysregulated continual synthesis of IL-6 plays a pathological effect on chronic inflammation and autoimmunity, end quote. As I confessed earlier, I am not an infectious disease expert and I realize that we are only scratching the surface. Understanding the body's immune response is something that I need to continue to learn more about and I'm by no means an expert. But what all these studies infer is that coronaviruses such as COVID-19 primarily function by influencing the immune system and that the combination of COVID-19 with other mortality causes may significantly compound the impact on the immune system. It is abundantly clear that having a healthy immune system is critical to health. Number three, lifestyle factors strongly influence the immune system. Almost every aspect of lifestyle can drastically and rapidly put you in an immunocompromised state. Let's quickly run through four key components of lifestyle. Number one, sleep. Multiple studies have shown that sleep is critical to the regulation of immunological processes and that a sleep deficiency can contribute to inflammation and immunodeficiency. In addition, a 2016 study indicated that it takes up to four days to fully recover from just one hour of lost sleep. Number two, diet. There is an abundance of evidence that demonstrates the nutrient demands of a healthy immune system, signaling that nutritious foods are substantially better than highly processed foods. This is largely because the microbiome found in the human gut houses up to 75% of the immune system. What's amazing is that the human microbiota, the bacterial ecosystem, responds to dietary changes within just 24 hours. Number three, sedentary lifestyle. The American Cancer Society referenced a study that suggested that prolonged periods of sitting may negatively impact hormones and alter the immune system's normal functionality. The study discovered that, quote, 
prolonged leisure time spent sitting for more than six hours per day was associated with a 19% higher all-cause death rate when compared with sitting less than three hours per day, end quote. This may be attributed to the lymphatic system, which is a major circulatory system responsible for transporting immune cells and cellular debris for removal. Without a heart to pump, the lymph fluids require movement of muscles and joints to flow properly. Therefore, being sedentary for long periods of time can lead to immunosuppression. Number four, stress. Under stress, the body's natural response is the production of the hormone cortisol. A 2015 research paper notes that elevated cortisol levels, quote, can lead to the immune system becoming resistant and accumulation of stress hormones and increased production of inflammatory cytokines that further compromise the immune response, end quote. A key distinction is that while acute stress can be beneficial, chronic stress can suppress the natural immune response or aggravate autoimmune deficiencies. While there are many more relevant lifestyle factors, I consider these to be the four pillars of lifestyle that are particularly linked to immune health. The good news is that we can take control of our life and manage these pillars. Now, for my personal COVID story. For most of my life, and especially in recent years, I have maintained a very healthy lifestyle, prioritizing sleep, nutrition, exercise, and stress management. Prior to the pandemic being made official by the World Health Organization, I had been traveling a lot in the week prior. Indiana, Alabama, Pennsylvania, four different airports, four different planes, and a day spent in downtown Philadelphia. Then once the NHL suspended their season, our season was canceled. I no longer had a job, health insurance, or a place to live, and my visa only enabled me to work as a hockey player. There was also significant discussion about the borders closing and no one really knew what was going on. My only option was to pack up and move back home to the Great White North. Friday night, March 13th, 2020, was my last night in Evansville, so I hung out with my teammates and said my goodbyes. I left just after 4am on Saturday morning after just 3 hours of sleep and drove 18 hours to Winnipeg. After a full day of gas station food and caffeine, and just as a note, I seldomly ever consume caffeine in any form, I had another poor sleep, only laying down for about 6 hours. The next morning, I grabbed some Tim Hortons and drove the final 13 hours home. I will say, even though it was winter in Canada, I was so happy to be able to enjoy an ice cap and some Timbits. So much so that I made an additional Tim's run in Musulman and Moostra. And for my American friends, yes, both of those places are in Saskatchewan. And yes, both of those are real names and real places. Waking up Monday morning, I was required to begin a mandatory 14-day self-isolation because I arrived from the U.S. With 14 days of quarantine in one section of the house, I figured I might as well make the most of it. Lucky for me, I had access to our elliptical, so I figured might as well get shredded, right? Why not? So then... First thing on the morning of Monday, March 16th, I did about an hour-long high-intensity workout on the elliptical. I went to the point of extreme exhaustion, because again, why not? Immediately after finishing my workout, I was beat, and I knew I went too hard. Within two hours, my flu symptoms kicked in. Loss of appetite, nausea, body aches, chills, and a fever. Sure enough, this was a lot like most flus I have experienced. Being high-risk as a traveler from the U.S., I called Alberta Health Services on Tuesday morning, explained my situation, and they wanted me to come get tested because of my travel history. So on Wednesday morning, March 18th, I was allowed to drive to the testing site, and the fresh air and getting out of the house was wonderful. And then when I got there, I got the little stick shoved up my nose, and immediately went back home to continue watching Ballers on Crave TV. By this time, I was already feeling relatively normal. I was still experiencing a bit of fatigue and body aches, but they were very minor. By Friday morning, I felt completely back to normal, and began working out again. Then in the evening, I got a call from a doctor confirming that I had tested positive for COVID-19, among the first two or three cases in Lethbridge, Alberta, a city of 100,000 people. So here is the most important conclusion from my story. I got sick because I was in an immunocompromised state. 
Despite living an extremely healthy lifestyle, my immune system had been significantly compromised due to major lifestyle changes and I immediately got sick. After returning to stability, I recovered rapidly and have had no issues since. I am certain that my experience is a case study for a healthy lifestyle as the best defense. So let's just talk about why I was in an immunocompromised state. First, I had a brutal sleep. Prior to getting sick on Monday, March 16th, my prior three sleeps were three hours, six hours, and a standard eight hours. And just a note, I was accustomed to averaging between eight to nine hours a night. Therefore, I had accumulated significant sleep debt. Next up, diet. Prior to getting sick, I had two full days of gas station snacks and fast food. Everything was highly processed with refined sugars, processed vegetable oils, and an unimaginable number of other additives and preservatives. This was a drastic shift from my regular diet, almost exclusively consisting of high-quality whole foods. Further, although the studies on sedentary lifestyles looked at long-term impacts, I suspect that spending two full days completely sedentary in a car may have contributed to my vulnerable state, particularly by preventing proper lymph flow during those days. In terms of stress, I had just lost my hockey career and potentially my future career. Everything in my life was uncertain and chaotic, a breeding ground for stress. But there are a few other lifestyle changes that are possible contributing factors as well. First, electromagnetic frequency exposure has been linked to numerous negative health consequences, and I spent 31 hours in the car surrounded by constant Bluetooth, radio waves, and cellular networks. Secondly, I experienced a rapid environmental temperature change, going from about 14 degrees Celsius, or 57 degrees Fahrenheit, in Evansville, Indiana, to about minus 17 Celsius, which was about 1 degree Fahrenheit in Winnipeg. Separated by time in a car, this temperature change within one day may have temporarily shocked my system. In fact, extreme cold exposure has been linked to temporary susceptibility to viral infections by numerous studies. Third, I consumed a lot of caffeine during the drive, which I almost never consume. This is significant because caffeine has been linked to elevated cortisol levels through the stimulation of the central nervous system, which we learned can negatively impact the immune system. As someone with very little tolerance for any stimulants, especially caffeine, this definitely influenced my immune response and circadian clock. And finally, I performed a high-intensity workout Monday morning right before getting sick. A 2019 research paper in the Journal of Sport Health and Science concluded that evidence links high exercise training workloads and psychological stress to immune dysfunction. Additionally, animal studies showed higher rates of the appearance of an infection when exhaustive exercise was performed after exposure to a viral illness. Since I must have already been infected, this workout likely contributed to my susceptibility. Given all this information, I firmly believe that despite being a healthy young man, temporary lifestyle changes drastically altered my immune system and were the primary reason that I got sick. And while many people have reported suffering lingering effects of the virus, I had returned to regular workouts within four days, which I believe can be attributed to the stabilization of important lifestyle factors. So what can you do? As we learned, the immune system is closely linked to COVID-19 infections, many other mortality causes, and lifestyle factors, emphasizing the importance of creating healthy habits. My message from this is that we must all take care of our health to maximize our ability to fight off infections and stay healthy, COVID-19 or otherwise. And of course, I encourage everyone to follow the appropriate protocol to prevent infection and spread. Harvard Health Publishing highlights a healthy lifestyle is the best way to strengthen your immune system, focusing on the not-so-revolutionary topics of diet, exercise, sleep, and stress. Sound familiar? Here are some suggestions for each. Sleep. Make sleep a non-negotiable priority. Try to go to bed and wake up at the same times every day. Avoid screen usage for at least an hour before bed, and if that's too much to ask for, try at least 30 minutes. Lower the temperature in your room at night, and meditate if your mind is racing. 
Diet. Eat whole foods. Eliminate processed sugars. Eliminate processed vegetable oils. Instead, use olive, avocado, and coconut oils. Follow the perimeter shopping rule. Most of your shopping should be on the perimeter of the store. Most packaged processed foods are in the middle of the store because they have a long shelf life, aka they are highly processed. And finally, read ingredient labels. If you can't pronounce the ingredients, you probably shouldn't eat it. Exercise. Go for a run in the morning. Go for a walk after dinner, which will also help with digestion. Take regular breaks throughout the day to stretch, foam roll, or do yoga. And for simple bodyweight workouts, YouTube has an incredible selection that are perfect for any fitness level. And finally, stress. Cut back on exposure to news outlets and social media. Establish tech-free periods throughout the day. Put your phone on airplane mode or leave it in another room. Or better yet, implement one day a week to stay away from social media and or the news altogether. Alternatively, get out into nature and appreciate the sun, fresh air, and the beauty of this planet. Read a book for 30 minutes. Or practice mindfulness, particularly through meditation, yoga, or breathing exercises. Again, YouTube has countless resources for these. While these recommendations are a great place to start, we are just scratching the surface. There are so many ways to optimize your health, happiness, and performance, and that is what Learn to Perform is all about. Stay tuned for other ways to improve your health, including cold showers, practicing gratitude, improving your sleep, and more. Thank you all for listening. Give some of these recommendations a try and share with me how you feel. Stay safe and stay healthy, my friends. As Jim Rohn once said, quote, take care of your body. It is your only place to live, end quote. To discover more, the full transcript of this episode with all citations is available on the website, and you can also contact me on social media with any questions or comments. If you found this episode useful or think that it may help someone else, I encourage you to pass it along. Thank you all for joining me on this journey to lifelong health, happiness, and higher performance. And remember, always be grateful, love yourself, and serve others.